0: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Logistics Executive TV. I'm joined today by a gentleman who has a, uh, a long and storied career in the area of supply chain, especially around SNOP and related matters. He's uh, currently the global head of SNOP and planning for Vacheron Constantin, and he's been with Sephora uh, in the Middle East. He's been with GSK, Koti, and a number of other. Uh, large companies in the area of uh, luxury goods, I suppose. Uh, without further ado, I'm joined by Kieran Markham. Kieran, thanks for joining us on the show. Amazing. Thanks, Kim. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here.
1: Sunny morning in Geneva, uh, where I'm coming from this morning. But, Lovely, uh,
0: yeah. Lovely fresh start. air, no doubt, in the mountains. <laughs> oh, yes. It's starting to get a bit crispy. Okay, stuff. Well, okay, thanks for joining us, uh, as I say, and I really want to talk to you today about your views on a number of issues around S&OP, uh, the difference between S&OE, S&OP, and IBP, which are all pretty much related acronyms. Give us a bit yep. of a rundown on the difference between those three elements. Okay, very
1: good. So, I mean, let's, let's start from the ground up. Let's start with S&OE, which is Sales. And operation execution. Typically, people get this confused with SNOP. Um, so SNOE's is more, more your operational finite tuning, whether that's week on week, month on month, making sure we as a business are in line with our overall SNOP strategy. Okay, takes us that la- layer up to SNOP where Okay, this is the best business decision-making platform within our executive committee. But we're talking everything which is focused on customer service, which is focused on inventory. um, And it's typically your monthly or if not quarterly business cycles. And then we have the famous IBP, integrated business planning. This is the next level up where you ultimately have an end-to-end business executive structure led from the front where you can start talking about, guys, do we make or buy? Do we need to spend the capital? Do we need to employ these people? It's your bigger, wider conversation. So the way that I like to pitch it is more your triangular approach: IBP okay. at the top, SNOP as your more strategy, and then SNOE at the bottom, where you're making your finite uh, business decisions within SNO on a
0: weekly or monthly basis. Right. I, I love the definitions, in, and I hope the audience for those who are not. Uh, necessarily engaged in supply chain all the time, that it gives some clarity around those, uh, those acronyms that are, that are widely used in the industry. Um, I want to talk about the supply chain triangle. Um, service, cost, cash, big issues, really major factors in supply chain. How can we juggle them in today's supply chains? What's your, what's your perspective?
1: That's a that's, that's a very big question, specifically in today's world, where we talk about the holy triangle of supply chain. Um, I mean, let's 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 start on cost. Okay, where have we been going in the past few years? There's constant pressures from businesses around productivity savings, um, and then we've got uh, demands from customers growing. So, trying to balance the cost with the demand from customers, keeping that realistic wherever possible. Uh, what I've actually seen in the past couple of months is when we look at more on the logistics side, a lot of our costs are going there. We've seen the fuel fuel surcharges starting to decrease, better capacity coming onto the market. So I would expect, and shout out to our uh, forwarding friends around the world, there I would expect those charges to start coming down as we see that capacity increase. Um, then we look at cash. So cash typically inventory. Um, What is the optimum level of inventory and what is that carrying cost of inventory, Uh, specifically knowing the global geopolitical tensions that we have, the natural weather disasters that are increasing? All of these are making big challenges and big decisions for us as a business. So where typically your IBP would come in and we're discussing these types of big hitting things. Um, and then the lovely one from my experience, typically within the FMCG world, we always have the conversation of should stock be local or global? Uh, we take the Middle East, is everything based in Jebel Ali, or is everything based up in Europe? But you counteract that with your service to clients as well. So your lead times you need to be looking at. Um, so it all comes down to your business strategy, I would say, uh, and then aligning the best kind of tweaking point within that triangle for you as a business, but at the same time trying to be as customer centric as possible as your starting point. Uh, and that's where I'd say you need to pitch your business and pitch the supply chain within within the lovely triangle.
0: Okay. Well done. Thanks for the definitions on that and the and your input. Um, so Kieran, talk to us about inventory management. You know, and how in your view should companies look to improve um The way that they they look at inventory management.
1: So, I really think it's starting with the basics. Okay, so let's look at look at some basic KPIs. Let's track fill rate, slow movers, understanding MOQs and SKU rationalisation. If you're a service based company, you really want to start splitting out your ABCs and have different uh, KPIs based on the position of these uh, SKUs. However, if you are very much a high-end service and coming into the luxury world where you want to have 100% service at all times in your locations, that's where we're going to be having that trade-off of of cash tied up in inventory. Um, But then it comes down to forecasting, looking at demand forecasting. And all of these things, I like to say, let's keep it simple, stupid. So the typical KISS and and acronym. KPIs continuous improvement let's baseline things and let's slowly increase from
0: there okay so what are the uh, what are the trends that are coming out of snop processes at the moment from your perspective
1: from, from my perspective the, the, the big way that the world is going nowadays through snop is scenario planning so okay. how do we make decisions on if we do this this is going to be the impact if we do that That's going to be the impact. And those are the type of decisions and conversations we need to be taking to the boardroom um, as supply chain professionals through SNOP to say, what are the likely impacts of our business if we go down this channel or this channel? But what, what I'm also seeing is we need tools. So This is where we start touching on the tech world. We need tools to enable these types of conversations so many many companies today are still working on excel it's the backbone of supply chain of our world unfortunately still today um and the amount of time that it's taking our teams to build those scenarios let alone interrogate them before we even present them to the executive committees is taking far too long but for me it's really the scenario planning is where we're going in the future but then it comes on to the tools how can we get the best technology to help us and improve? Uh, where we're going?
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Kieran. So, look, talk to me a little bit about risk mitigation. How how do companies build risk mitigation into their SNOP processes?
1: So, I think from my perspective, it's all around contingency planning. It's about double sourcing uh, and also building in scenario planning through the SNOP. So, for me, those are the the one, two, three of, of how we build the mitigation into it. Um, if, typically, if we look at what happened during COVID, I mean, did we pivot? Did we learn? And did we implement policies as a result of any learnings that we did out of the COVID crisis during that time period? Supply chain came to the front page. You know, um, it's it, it's a great place to be, but not within your within supply chain. Um, We don't know if there's going to be another Suez Canal blocked again. We don't know if America or China in the geopolitics and what's going to happen there with the tension. A lot of companies are going down sourcing China plus one, um, specifically in the Americas at the moment. Um, So how do we handle this through SNOP? Okay, let's come back to the scenario planning. Do we look at a sourcing of provider from here or from this country? What does this mean in terms of lead times and quality, costs? It's all these decisions that we need to be bringing into the SNOP and having those conversations as a business.
0: Okay, good stuff. So, my next question is um, as long, how long is a piece of string? So, i want to get you to give me a grab on this one, uh, just in regards to customer demands. I mean, we, we hear so much about this uh, uh, supply chains are driven by customer requirements and demands. How can we ensure a couple of quick hidden hits from you in regards to how do supply chains keep up with uh, with customer demands and the way they're changing?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's interesting. Supply chain has to be more and more customer focused nowadays. And for me, I think the current two big trends that we're seeing is one around service and one around customization. So when we look at service, for me that's a lot around our usp and that's how we're attracting our class uh, our customers and retaining customers today so if through supply chain we're able to advertise through marketing okay we're promising next day delivery we're promising 3 hour delivery um well, typically we look at this within the b2c uh, we look at our last mile we look at the the service of our captains our last mile captains and the experience with the client at the other end as well Um, How do we ensure that we get that repeat customer through that seamless service that we're providing? And then when we look at customization, I mean, this is really coming to the forefront uh, and expected from clients. You look at the likes of Adidas, you can walk into one of their stores and customize their shoes, right there live with you or online. Uh, High-end luxury retailers are also doing this. You walk into a store, you want something a bit more bespoke rather than off the shelf. They can customize the products there for you as well. Um, so it's all about adding that extra element of service, the experience that your client is getting that allows them to affiliate themselves with your brand. And it's how as we as supply chain, compre- uh, supply chain professionals um, can engage and ensure that we as a business can provide those service, commit to them, and allow us as a business to market them as well.
0: Okay. Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for the input on that. Like, I guess uh, one of the big issues also floating around uh, right across throughout the Indian supply chain is is the issue of AI technology data. I mean, in our executive search practice, um, particularly in in APAC and the Middle East, and uh, in, in Africa, where we're where we're the strongest, we're seeing. Um, I'm going to start that question again. Okay. Thanks for that, that, Kieran. Um, I want to talk about AI, tech, data. I mean, most of the roles that that we are, that our executive search business is working on, there's there's an element now in job descriptions from clients uh, that they're they're really looking for candidates at all levels, um, looking to make sure that that candidates have got this capability uh, and knowledge around AI in particular. Give me a quick grab on where you think AI is in supply chain at the moment.
1: Okay, so it's a a very big, big question. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, fundamentally, AI has the ability to reshape our supply chains of today. Um, But I strongly believe that we would need to also reshape the organizations around it at the same time. Okay, Um, so typically AI is already here within supply chains, but within a number of the larger organizations, not typically within your your medium or smaller businesses. Um, I mean, I was even discussing last week um, with an AI um, individual, AI team leader within supply chain uh, in a manufacturer, fragrance manufacturing business, who was exploring how. AI is making the difference, how they can create new sense, how they can create more synthetics, more accurate sense, how they're optimizing their manufacturing flows, um, and how AI is actually giving them all early warning signals through their quality process um, of manufacturing. So I think it's it's fascinating, but these are all internally built AI systems as well. And that's one thing I think we need to be very clear about. We typically look at, everybody knows ChatGDP, everybody knows Google's bot. But these tools are great for building code for us. But if we want to leverage them, where are they getting the sales history from? Where are they getting the business strategy from? They're not building quality in, quality out, right? Exactly, exactly. And so typically, if we talk about AI, we need to build something in-house from scratch, with our business data and strategy in order to really leverage it we can't just go on the internet and start using these tools and think that we can leverage them within our organizations today apart from typically building us a code um or something like that which which we can learn but it's a fun thing fundamental sorry i yeah, go for
0: it I was just going to ask you. So, if you if you were to envisage where AI penetration or utilization in the supply chain is, and where it's going to go to, whereabouts are we on the curve in supply chain? Ah, uh, we're very, very in the early adoption
1: phase. Very, sure. very early. I mean, uh, we, we we can touch on it in manufacturing. We're talking about um, AI into planning as well. But let's let, let's be realistic. A lot of companies. Even aren't even trusting their ERP systems when we look at planning, we still want to put it into Excel and we still want to manipulate it. So if we don't trust the data that's coming out of an ERP and we want to do it in Excel, where are the businesses and where are the people going to trust these AI systems and not want to convert it into Excel and still manipulate them on their own computers? That's the unfortunate reality of where we are today. And that's why I believe we are in very, very much the early adoption phase. But I can only hope we exponentially grow, we exponentially trust in these systems. Um, and it takes us on this transformational journey of advancement to see how much we can push our supply chains.
0: Well, thanks for that, Karen. I I, I want to touch base with you now on ESG. Huge focal point uh in industry and in the economy, in anybody's economy, and especially in supply chain from where we're all sitting. Um, corporations today, ESG, again. How long is a piece of string? But a couple of insights from you, please, uh, around the role that you see ESG playing in supply chains, a couple of insights.
1: Yep, okay. So, it's, it's, like you said, it's a very, very big topic, Kim. Um, I, I feel for the past maybe 10, 10 years, a lot of companies have almost put it on the back burner and it hasn't been front and center, whereas today it is, it is here. Um, is an expectation from our customers and the supply chain becomes more customer centric We need to be understanding everything and the whole ecosystem within our supply chain. That's not just within our organization, but as I said, within our whole supply chain. Our suppliers and our supplier's suppliers, are they ethically sourcing products, raw materials, components? How are we tracking the CO2 emissions from throughout that ecosystem? Um, Again, our clients and our customers are ever more clued up on the history and the story behind the products and the origin of our products. And they're buying the experience through the brand, not just the physical product at the end of the day that they're taking from the shelf. So within our supply chains, that's where we need to be fully aware of not just our organizational footprint, but our whole wider ecosystem ecosystem. Like I said, our suppliers, our su- suppliers, suppliers, our logistics service providers, even our systems ecosystem as well. We need to be tracking and monitoring the ethical sourcing, the compliance around do they fit alongside our business ethos um, and making sure that our whole ecosystem is in line because that's really what gives us as a business a competitive advantage. Not just for today, but in tomorrow's world, where our clients and customers are expecting so much more of us. Sometimes it will add a bit of cost, but that's where we need to benchmark and understand is that cost really worth it to make sure we're doing things correctly?
0: Right. Yeah. Good insight. And you know, again, very much customer driven. Very much customer driven these days as well. So whilst corporates may make their decisions, um, you know, very much about the customer. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. The other one I want to hit you on is uh, talent in the supply chain. Um, again, massive, massive issue. What are the top of mind issues for you around talent in supply chain? Supply demand, um, specialization or not? Um, what are the big factors for you?
1: Uh, so it's, it's fascinating. I mean, before we touched on AI, we talk about ESG. It's, it's literally, it's coming out us thick and fast. The, the the transition or almost this paradigm shift in what's required from supply chain executives in a very short space of time, very recently, has transformed. We need to have knowledge and understanding of tech, of data. How do we use that to accelerate our speed to market or how do we accelerate our products um, service to our customers? All of these elements are new skills to typically old school supply chain individuals or people. Um, and we need to really upskill ourselves technology is advancing at such a rate that people can't keep up almost to the point that if we choose to adopt technology a new planning tool um a new erp system a new piece of software it's already outdated by the time we've almost implemented it and by the time people have learned how to use it we're already on to the next thing we talk we look at block blockchain okay fine that's there now we're on to ai Caught up about blockchain already, so we're still almost behind ourselves.
0: Yeah, and it brings to mind a conference I was speaking at, god knows, about 10 years ago in Amsterdam at Schiphol. And uh, the, the conference, these speech that I was giving, some of the notes I had was uh, some data that had come out and said, um, one of the futurists was saying that within 10 years. of people will be doing jobs that uh, they'd never heard of before or be involved in tasks within roles that they uh, hadn't heard of and the technology had not been developed for. Um, I'm not too sure whether it's quite got to that level yet, but certainly, as I say, we're seeing with the demand from our customers from the executive search side, um, the requirements for knowledge about fast-evolving technology is just enormous absolutely couldn't
1: agree more we're we're on this paradigm shift and it's only going to continue
0: okay uh before we wrap i want to uh get a couple of quick insights from you also around future of supply chain couple of the big moving trends issues moving forward in the near-term future um give us a couple of insights from your side
1: okay i mean uh Ultimately, we, we can't predict the future, um, but but I, I always like to live by kind of a mantra or or, or have this embedded within within my teams is typically okay. We've got to imagine we can't do today's job with yesterday's methods and tools and expect to be in business tomorrow. So if we apply that to everything we're doing in supply chain today, that's about continuous improvement. That's about systems. That's about upskilling our people. That's about pushing boundaries to see how we can do more, how we can get there quicker, how we can be leaner to be more in tune with the customer journey and the customer demands of tomorrow, not of today, but of tomorrow. Those are the things that give us the competitive advantage. And I think that we're never gonna stop having to push our supply chains. As they come more to the forefront and center of our businesses of today. Great.
0: Well, thanks for wrapping that. Um, and, and before we wrap the uh the conversation today, I always like our guests to uh to pass on to our audience any insights that they've got or advice. And in this case, uh I'd like you to share your views on uh for aspiring. Uh, supply chain professionals, whether they're already on the journey or they're looking for aspirational uh, roles ahead, uh, what would be one or two pieces of advice from you for uh, people in or moving up into the supply chain?
1: I would personally say upskill yourself and stay curious. Okay. Um, don't just look within your organization in terms of the skill sets that are there, look outside connect with people connect with supply chain professionals go to conferences understand listen to podcasts um there are thousands of tools out there for supply chain professionals and i think that it's also up to us as kind of leaders in our field to make supply chain sexy at the end of the day it is it is the backbone of organizations as far as i'm concerned and we need to 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 pitch it in that way um and that's how people can get engaged connect with us and uh, knowledge
0: share. Okay. Good stuff. Hey, look, really appreciate you taking the time uh, this morning to share your insights with us. Uh, Kieran Markham, Global Head of SNOP Planning uh, Vacheron-Constantin in Switzerland. Uh, Thanks so much for your input, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: Absolutely. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Kim. Pleasure as always.
0: Thanks, Kieran, and thanks everybody uh, for joining us on Logistics Executive TV. Have a great day.